what chapter and verse is that? Come on. You see? John 14, 6. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, what chapter and verse talks about um, Jesus coming to give us an abundant life? The thief has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life that more abundantly. Is it John 10.10? John 10.10. How about, um, who is it that wrote, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ? Huh? No. Mm-mm. Huh? The Apostle Paul. And it's in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Um, all, all of these verses were going through my mind as, as, we, were, um, as we were worshiping. Um, I was thinking about the goodness of God and... Um, just how wonderful he is and how it is that nothing is beyond, beyond him, nothing at all. And, and yet, we have the ability to withdraw, to reject, to quench, to do all of those things. We're, we're, we're still, he gives us, he gives us that option. You understand what I'm saying? As, as, as feeble and as weak as man is, we are able to reject God. He will, ne- never, um, he will never throw himself on us to the point to where we have no will whatsoever. We can, we can completely reject him. And, and, and of course, that is an awful and awesome power that we have and yet what we don't understand is with that we can exercise the reception of blessings by the Lord and we can also exercise the reception of, of curses that's what we're going to take a look at this evening but I was thinking about that in our own lives how it is that the things that have been um, perhaps uh, taking place in our own lives at this point at this evening in worship could have been hindering this very moment the, the, the time that God has ordained for us to spend with Him and to just simply um, give our time as an offering to Him, the praise of our lips is the very praise of our hearts. It could have been just this exercise in futility, just kind of like in vain, because we've come with hardness of heart. We've come without taking care of issues in our lives that, that matter to the Lord and our sin before Him. Um, things that have to do with forgiveness, God's grace, um, you talked about God's grace. God's grace is amazing. It's abundant toward us. And we're supposed to reflect that toward other people. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for, for myself. Oh, I just love myself, right? No, it's for one another. And it involves sacrifice. It involves self-denial. See, oftentimes we forget how it is that as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, 
um, how is it that we are to like prove ourselves as his disciples? He said to do three things. One is deny yourself, right? Number two, pick up your cross. And number three, follow me. If we do the first two and not follow him, then we become these self-absorbed people who are always um, wishing the world to pity you and you're just a victim. And, and the Lord said, you know, um, in this world you will have tribulation, but do not lose heart. In other words, stand fast. Do not lose heart, for I have conquered the world. Right? And so all that's important. When we, when we come to worship, even on Wednesdays, um, Sundays, we should come prepared. Um, not, not standing here being critical you know, of, of anything or anyone or having a, a hard heart. It's, it should be completely open to the Lord and just wishing, desiring to come and just worship Him and then to sit at His feet. Because I can guarantee you, if you're not ready for worship, you're not ready for this. You're just not. Your mind is somewhere else. And what my desire is, is that each and every one of you would be ready for this very thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? Is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly, right? And that is exactly what we're seeing tonight. And that's what I desire for, for his people, for us all to come together and to be completely open to, willing to sit at the, at the feet of Jesus Christ and receive from him everything that he has for us to hear and receive. The church ought to be ready to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church, no? So we can rejoice and be glad in the Lord. I love the fact that his mercies are new every morning. And, uh, and he desires to bless his people. That, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, this last weekend, we were, uh, for a lot of the men, it was like at least 30 guys, right? Yeah, tons of guys up there. Um, you know, what, what I've been praying, and as much as possible standing guard in prayer over the men is, is to make sure that the, the, the enemy doesn't come in and, and steal um, what, the, what the Lord has done up in the mountain. Because we know, and we were warned, you know, you come down the hill, and immediately things start to happen. And unless you have your guard up, um, those things you will allow um, to steal your joy. And a lot of times, make a lot of the work up there um, just ineffective. It's just, it, it's gone. And, and we need to stand guard. We, we, need to, we need to pray. We need to be watchful. We need to be vigilant. And we need to know the schemes of the enemy, as we learned, Right? And make sure that we're standing fast in the armor, the whole armor of God, and, uh, and not allowing that to happen. You know, with our families, our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, and then within the body. So that we can come to times like this as a body and truly worship the Lord with joy in our hearts and allow the Lord to continue doing his mighty work in and through us. So let's go. Does that make sense? Okay. I hope so, because I, I just want every one of us to come prepared to hear the word of God and to take it, receive it, believe it, and make it our own. And we can do that.
So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment that you've given to us to study your word. I pray, Father, that it wouldn't be just an academic study, but it would be a time that we would search, allow you to search our hearts and reveal to us anything that is not of you, that we may repent and receive from you truth, that we may apply it to our lives, bless you, glorify you, and allow you to mold and shape us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may reflect his character, Lord, and bring you glory. And so, Father, prepare your church, your people, Lord, to receive your word. Lord, soften our hearts with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that we would be mindful of the love that you have for us and that you demonstrated through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would be reminded of your grace, your mercy, your faithfulness, your trustworthiness, and how nothing is too great for you. There is, there is nothing that you cannot conquer and you have not. And so, Lord, we want to submit ourselves to you. We want to ask, Lord, and cry out to you that you would do a, just a special work this evening, that your word would penetrate these hearts, allowing you to do your surgical work that we may glorify you and bless you, even in this time of worship in your word. And so, Father, we commit this evening into your hands. Father, we ask your blessing, your anointing, and we pray these, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27. We're moving right along, and um, we're going to cover a, a couple uh, chapters this evening. Um, the following uh, two chapters are chapters in which God clearly communicates blessings and cursings. There's nothing in between. There's, there's blessings on Mount Gerizim, and then there's cursings that we'll see half of the tribes going uh, to Mount Ebal. And, uh, and, and as Moses and the elders and the Levites are to go, and uh, all of the people, um, as they go into the promised land, to proclaim, and they're supposed to agree, not only proclaim, but also agree um, that these are indeed that which the Lord says they are. So we have this, of course, the Lord desires blessings for his people that comes through obedience to his law, his word, his commandments, um, which he, so he desires that curses he does not desire, but yet he warns us with those, and those come by way of disobedience. One of the things we see throughout Scripture is this very thing, God's clear warning, and I love that. He doesn't just tell us, you know, okay, just walk in this way. Um, no, he not only tells us that, but he also tells us, but, but if you do not walk according to my word, just, you, I got to warn you, these are the things that you will encounter. Throughout Scripture, we see that. There are clear warnings of the Lord, and His desire is that we choose obedience over sacrifice. That is how we demonstrate our love for Him, by the, by the way in which we walk in obedience uh, according to His Word, that we may know the blessings in everyday life. He, he desires to bless us in everyday life, to bless us, to, to help us to be refreshed in His Word and, and to walk in the newness of His Word. And... Um, so that's what he desires. So we now give our attention to what God is commanding the Israelites to do once they do enter into the promised land. 
on Mount Ebal and on Mount Gerizim before the Lord in communion with him. So that's what we'll see also. This is um, the Lord as he, as he sets this before them to do as they go into the promised land. It's a time of communion. Uh, communion. It's a time of fellowship. And we'll also see grace. We'll see God's mercy, his grace, and how it is that he sets us up. And it's a foreshadowing of what's to come, of what's to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So let's start out by reading Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. Now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster, and you shall write on them all the words of this law. When you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal. And you shall plaster them with plaster. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall weld no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones. And you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very Plainly. Moses and the elders are commanded, are, are commanding the people to keep the law. This is a reminder. This is something that they've been um, told over and over, keep the law, right? So now we come to the conclusion. Um, they're receiving the law as um, a king would give the law to the people. And so the, uh, Moses and the elders are establishing this before the people as they are, uh, again, being ready to go into the promised land and possess it. When they cross over the Jordan, the people are to gather, they're instructed, they're commanded to gather these large stones, these rocks, and plaster them and write the law on them as they enter into the land. Now, the New King James Version says to whitewash them with lime, and the NASB says to coat them with lime. The point of all of this is, the, is that they were to write the law that was given to them on these stones and as it says in verse 8, in other words, very distinctly, very plainly, that it would be legible and the people would be able to read the law that has been given to them. So they are to do this as they enter into the promised land. Now something to note is that this law, the very word of God, is to be written and kept, to be known and lived to be seen in writing and seen in the action of the people of God in the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey that the Lord had promised and was giving them. The very same thing that ought to be demonstrated in our own lives. Not only is it supposed to be written, but it's also supposed to be kept. In other words, lived out. Um, we're supposed to abide in the word, to be known with our minds to be understood, but also lived out in our lives that our faith could be demonstrated. Our faith is proven by our actions. Faith without action is dead. In other words, there's, there's nothing to it. There's no substance to it. If you're just saying that you believe these things and yet fail to do it, you have failed to prove that you have faith to begin with. 
by doing so, it has nothing to do with demonstrating to other people our faith. But it's really just reflecting to God the very thing that we claim to believe in. And that's really what's important. It's a sacrifice of our lips should be the very sacrifice of our lives. We should be those living sacrifices for it is our reasonable service. The Lord told them that these stones were to be written on and placed on Mount Ebal. Now, this is going to be very significant as we continue to go through and we see the blessings and the cursings. And so just keep in mind that the altars were to be erected not on Mount Gerizim, but on Mount Ebal, upon which the curses are supposed to be proclaimed. Now, this very thing was fulfilled by Joshua. Let's turn, so hold your place there and turn with me to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. It says, At that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has welded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. So this was fulfilled by Joshua as they entered into the promised land. And we see it here in Joshua chapter 8, verses 30 through 32. And so when they crossed over the, into the promised land, the people are, were to build an altar of whole stones. That, that's, uh, they were commanded to be, build these, uh, this, all, these altars of um, uncut stones. No tool was to touch them, um, just the stones themselves. As they lay naturally, they were to be, they were to be used to erect these altars, this altar to the Lord, and sacrifices were to be offered to the Lord on them. Um, they were to fit together naturally. The altars to be built with stones just as they are. God commanded the people to build, uh, to collect these stones, to build the altar and write the law on the stones, but to make sure they did not use, again, any tools on them whatsoever, that the altar of God would not cause any of the glory to be given to those artisans, the people who built it. It's like, oh, what a beautiful altar. I want to get to know the person who built that altar. Who was it? Was it you, Modesto? You, did you build that altar? You know, how amazing. You are just amazing at the gift. No, right? It wasn't to be like that. It's like, you know what? Nothing fancy. It's just a bunch of stones brought together, just put in this fashion to where we can put the sacrifice on there, and that's what's important, is the sacrifice that goes on that altar and the God who receives that sacrifice unto himself. That's solely what should be glorified, is the Lord, the God of the sacrifice, not the man who brings the sacrifice, not the one who builds the altar. Hey, you know what? For us, we just put the stones together. There's nothing fancy about it. It's just plain. It's just natural. It's what God provided for us 
out here on Mount Ebal. The altar is the place upon which God provides everything that man needs. It's the place where man offers and God receives, but ultimately will serve as a place God provides everything necessary for man to know a restored fellowship to the Lord. The altar. Think about that. This is a foreshadowing of what's to come. They did this for years. Year after year after year. This is only the beginning but it looks forward to Jesus Christ. Man having nothing sufficient to offer the Lord for this to be known. Nothing. In verse 8, the Lord makes it very clear that the words of this law are to be written on these stones very plainly, very distinctly. In other words, they are to be clearly seen and known by all that read them and upon which they offer to God their sacrifices. It should be very clear. There is no confusion, and the word is distinct, unmistakable, and definite to all. And that's, that's always my prayer, is that as you receive the word, it's clear, it's distinguishable, and it's something that should be understood by you. It, it's clear. It, it, it's nothing, it's unmistakable. I understand what the Lord has to say to me. And again, I remind you of Romans 10, 17, because this is exactly how it is that we please the Lord. Without this, it's impossible to please God. What is it? Without faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Is what it says in Hebrews 11, 6. And so this is extremely important. That's why Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The, someone that says, well, I have faith. I trust in the Lord. I trust in God. Really? I, I mean, how do you trust in him? What do you have faith in him? W- what are the aspects of God that you have faith in? I don't know. I just believe in him. But like what? How? I, I don't know. How do you offer your sacrifices, you know, as far as your demonstration of your love for him? I mean, what is it that you know about the Word? Because you exercise that in obedience to Him by faith. For the just shall live by faith. But you have to... Faith in what? In who? Do you know the character of God? Or is it just, that's blind faith. When someone says, yeah, I just trust in God. and, And they live like the world. Why? Because they're ignorant. They, they don't know what the Word says. They don't know how to express their faith. They don't know what pleases the Lord. They're, they're not expressing true faith. Faith should increase in the Christian and the believer. That's why it's important to come Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, go to Bible study. Open the word during the week, every day, every morning. Go through your devotion. You know, where are you at? If I were to ask, you know, where are you in your reading, in your your devotional time with the Lord, I should get an answer from each and every one of you. I'm here. And I shouldn't shouldn't ask like a year later. And I'm still there. (laughs) You know, I'm still in Psalms. Well, there's only 150 of them. (laughs) Right? And maybe you're stuck in 119. You know how many verses are in 119? A lot. <laughs> it shouldn't be. We, we, should, we should have that time with the Lord and allow Him to continue to, 
Well, as the psalmist says in Psalm in Psalm 1, check this out. So Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. We're going to see that this evening, that that's exactly the choice that God had given the Israelites. I, want, I mean, you will see something beyond our imagination. And God gave them this choice. This is what God desires. And he desires it for us that we would walk in victory. Let's continue, though. Verse 9. <clears throat> Verse 9 says, Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Keep silence and hear. Keep silence and hear. <laughs> I think we need more of that. Keep silence and hear, O Israel, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today. Restatement. That's what these verses are. This is a restatement of who the people are. It's a reminder. Whose they are. And therefore, because of these truths... They are the Lord's people. They are to obey His commandments. Just a reminder. Hey, listen. You, you have submitted yourself to the governance of the Lord. You are His people. When you come into a relationship with the Lord, the Lord. Just keep that in mind. The Lord. Right? To a king, you are His subject. Right? He is a perfect king. The perfect king. I have perfect faith in him. I believe him at his word. And if I am truly subjected to him, governing my life, then we should never say, no, Lord. That's completely opposites, right? We should learn to be those subjects that are obedient and willing to, at all costs, just believe God at his word and go with it. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? That's what they were being reminded. And Moses starts out by saying, keep silence and hear, O Israel. That's why I said it loudly. It's like, that's what we need. To, we need to understand that. We need to hear that. It should resonate in our hearts. We should like every day, like when we start to like wander off into one direction or the other, uh, keep silent and hear. What is it that the Lord has to say about this particular situation? Stop. Whatever it is that you want to justify this with, stop. Right? Remember who you are representing, for we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are to reflect His glory. We are to represent Him well. Are you doing that well in this very moment? Are you going to insist on your own will. It would do us well to keep silent and hear. Just as Moses had been reminding the people of Israel whose they were, we too should be reminded and think about that. Keep silence and hear, O Israel. How this would serve us today to heed his word. And then he goes on. 
Verse 11 says, That day Moses charged the people, saying, When you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. On these shall stand, and these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall declare to all the men of Israel in a loud voice. And he goes through. So we'll read that in a moment. Now, so Moses assigned specific tribes to stand on Mount Gerizim and, and then others on Mount Ebal after, after having crossed the Jordan. He's giving these instructions, these commandments. The tribes on Mount Gerizim would be those proclaim, who proclaimed blessings to the obedient and the tribes on Mount Ebal, Ebal would be those who proclaimed curses to the disobedient. We're going to go through those in just a, um, a moment. There is something that happens when a person reads God's word aloud. You know, have you ever been... It's, it's amazing how God's word ministers to us, right? And like, you're, you're um, hard-hearted, you're dealing with something, you have maybe uh, anger or a lot of pain, and you start reading God's word, and, it, and it's amazing how it ministers to you. Do you experience that? As you read God's word, it just starts softening your heart, and you start, instead of thinking and focusing on that which you have, like this difficult thing, you start just like focusing on the Lord and just listening to His Word, and He starts speaking into you wisdom that far exceeds that which you could ever come up with. They were confessing these things. They were to confess these as they go into the promised land. As you read the Word... It's allow, you, you're allowing the word to convict you, to bring conviction, and it's good. It is really, really good. It's like a confession, confession, and it serves to convict the heart of the one who's reading it. At, at least it should. It should. And this again took place with Joshua. Turn back with me to Joshua chapter 8. And we left off in verse 32. Let's continue on. Verse 32 again. It says, and there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. All of them. They, they, they all heard it. They were all part of this, this proclamation, this declaration, this reception, this agreement. It all took place there. What's interesting is that this was done. Do you recall when this was done? This was done after the Israelites had experienced defeat by the hand of Ai. And then this defeat happened with Ai. You remember why? The sin of Achan. So there was a revelation of what the sin was. Uh, they dealt with the sin. They repented. They confessed. They repented, right? 
there was a cleansing of the sin and a turning to God in repentance. This act of standing on the two mountains and proclaiming the blessings and the curses would have been would would have had deeper meaning at this time. Oh, immediately upon going into the promised land, we we experience this. Yes, we experience a, a victory in Jericho, but then we go on to Ai, a little confident in not really seeking the Lord. Joshua should have sought the Lord, no, before going in. Maybe it would have been revealed. And so we have this happen, and there's there's a loss. And then after this, after all of that is taken care of and they experience victory over Ai, then they go and do this very thing in Joshua chapter 8. There's always a personal effect with the Word of God, this, this communion and a fellowship with the Word of God, when you have just freshly come out of a situation or are going through it, and He speaks to you about it. And you see it right before you're like, wow, it's all right here. Oh God, you are so good. Your word is true. His word is perfect. He is faithful. To know that God's word is fulfilled. And they proclaimed this just as Moses had commanded them. But they just saw that it was as they went through their whole situation with Ai and the sin of Achan, they saw it right before their eyes. They had just experienced this. Curses and blessings. Now, the location of this was perfect. Not only the situation, the timing of it, but the location of, of this very thing that God had commanded them was perfect. For the, the area in which the two mountains were located served as like a natural amphitheater. And so what they were saying from the two sides could be clearly heard by every single person. It's also, it's interesting that this was the center Uh, geographically of the promised land. Oh, the heart of the land that the Lord was giving to them. That's amazing also. But also, if you take a look at the two mountains, we have, where where were the uh, curses proclaimed from? It was Mount Ebal, right? Well, it was a barren mountain. Uh, It had nothing there. It was just, it it was dead. It was dead. On the other hand, you have Mount Gerizim, on which you had running water, so you had springs, you had an abundance of trees and lush vegetation. It was like this contrast that you could, you could see. Blessings, the curse. Desert, oh, an oasis. That's absolutely amazing. And it was right before them. And we read Psalm 1, 1 through 3 which gives us this picture of the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. Oh, blessed is the man. Oh, if we would even... Like begin to believe and understand and live that out in our lives. How we would know. Let's continue on though. Verse 15. um, We have uh, just this list of amens that needed to be declared. 
Um, verse 15 says, uh, Cursed be the man who, who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Verse 16, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Verse 17, Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Verse 18, Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's nakedness, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe uh, to shed innocent blood, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. So, that last verse, in case we missed anything, right? The curse is declared to those who represented disobedience on Mount Ebal was declared by the Levites. The response to each curse was meant to be, Amen. Amen literally means so be it. When you say amen, like, you know, when worshiping and, and at the end of a song, it, if you agree with the words, you know, it, it's very proper to say and fitting, amen, amen. As it is said, so shall it be. I accept I agree. It is as it is said to be. Amen. So when the curses were proclaimed, the people were agreeing with them by saying, Amen. We've gone through these laws. So we've gone through these laws in previous studies. So there's no need to actually revisit them. Again, this is a restatement of the law. And they were, as they go into the promised land, to agree with them. You agree with that which has been laid out as law by the king, right? We are his people, and therefore we should say, so be what has been proclaimed, so be it. Amen. I do want to point out that last one and remind you of it, though, which says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, so be it. Right? Amen. In other words, you're, you're agreeing with and you're saying, yes, I have received that for myself. I shall not just be a hearer of the word, a knower of the word, but also a doer of the word. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But let me ask you this, with that last word, Agreeing with it. Who can keep the law perfectly? 
N- nobody? No? Nobody, right? No one can. So, so then I need to point out that the Lord had commanded, and I remind you of what he had said at the very beginning. He commanded that the mount upon which the altar of burnt offering was to be offered or, and built and offered, these offerings um, given to the, the Lord, sacrificed upon, uh, along with the peace offering. The peace offering um, was an offering of communion, of thanksgiving. It was to be erected, this altar, and the offerings were to be sacrificed on Mount Ebal, not Mount Gerizim. The Mount of Curses. The atoning sacrifice was to be known on the Mountain of Curses because it was necessary there, not on the other mountain. Not on the Mountain of Blessings, but on the mountain upon which the curses were proclaimed. What is beautiful is that the sacrifice on the Mount of Curse was accomplished on our behalf by Christ once and for all. We may now know correction, but not condemnation. God's people today, New Covenant, the New Testament uh, believers, those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? We know this to be certain. And we can say... Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Hallelujah. We give him all the praise. But there is correction. Not condemnation, but there is correction. You see, the finished work of God on the cross came by way of his son, Jesus Christ. When he said with his own words, Tetelestai, it meant it was paid in full. It's complete. It's done. That's it. The payment for our sins, past, present, and future, were all taken care of on the mount of cursing. And grace covers us in Christ, and all, all of our sins have been paid for, like I said, past, present, and future. And that's the good news. Turn with me to see this in Hebrews chapter 10. So hold your place there, and let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And that is you and I. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 3.10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And so we have it accomplished in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the offering. 
on Golgotha, right? On Calvary. Now let's continue. In chapter 28, we see consequences or the, the blessings through obedience. In verse 1 of chapter 28, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall be you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, be, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down if you, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. This was all said together. It, it was supposed to draw a perfect, vivid, clear Picture of God's blessings. And there are some important points that are worth bringing to your attention, pointing you to in what we just read. First of all, the law is set. The people are established as God's chosen people, and He desires to make Himself known through His people, the Israelites. But it would be a matter of choice on behalf of the Israelites. This is conditional. We read from the very first verse. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord God will. And He goes through. It was conditional. Had everything to do with what the people desire to do. But the Lord desires to make Himself known through his people and he was telling them very clearly this is the way in which I desire to make myself known to the whole world it would be a matter of choice on behalf of the Israelites if they choose to obey then these blessings will rain down upon them and blessings are on everything wouldn't you say like we read through all of this blessings on, on where was it withheld Uh, On what? In what? Through what? Nothing. It was all there. It was just blessings that just rained down on the Israelites. 
in a way that could only be attributed to the Lord, the God of the Israelites. They would be blessed like no other nation had ever been blessed. God would receive all the glory because there is no way that this could have happened any other way. There's no way. I mean, check out God's promise. Verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Overtake you? If they were faithful to obey all that God had commanded them, and this was God's promise to them, He was telling them, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Can you imagine that? If you obey my commandments, says the Lord, you won't be able to hold back all the tremendous blessings that you will be showered with, and you will be set high above all the other nations, so far above because of all of the amazing blessings that you will experience, you will enjoy in your lives and everything. I mean, at that point, God's people, I desire, I desire to like, be glorified through you. My power, I want to demonstrate through you. All you what you have to do is obey my commandments. And then, he, and then he tells them, he describes it to them. He defines, this is how you'll be blessed. At that point, can you imagine if, you know, the Lord would come in, refuge, I desire to glorify myself through you, if you just keep my commandments. Just like, offer yourself to no other gods. Just to the Lord, and the Lord will bless you in this way. He, he didn't give that promise to us, by the way, right? In this world, you, <laughs> you will experience tribulation. So we have to abide in Christ and his strength, right? When we are weak, he is strong. He didn't say this to us. So we can't substitute the church for what God promised to the Israelites right here. Okay? It's not your best life now. Sorry, guys. But can you imagine at this time being the Israelites? What would you be able to say? Uh, Wow. 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 Let's go, right? Let's do this. This was a promise for the children of Israel for this day that we are learning about. There are other things that set the, uh, things set for the day in which we're living in today. Uh, like I said, tribulations will increase, but do not lose heart, for in Christ uh, we know victory. Now, these verses speak of the amazing blessings that would come their way if they faithfully obey to do all that, the God, that God had commanded. They would be blessed in all places, in the city and in the country. All of their children would be blessed. All of their produce would be blessed. All of their livestock would be blessed. All of the, the food that they prepared, the, the food, the dinner, the lunch, the, the breakfast would all be amazing. Can you imagine? It's like everything that you put your hand to is just would be amazing, right? The enemy, there's no enemy that would be able to stand against them. They come in one way and they disperse seven different ways. Everything they store will remain good. Nothing will rot. Everything will remain good. All the work that they put their hand to will be blessed. It'd be like just doing something for the Lord. And everyone's like, that is amazing. Moses, I didn't know you could do that, right? (laughs) I didn't either. I just started doing this and it came out this way. You know, and then you do something else, and that's amazing. It's like the Lord is blessing everything that you put your hand to. 
everything. And the Lord promised this to the Israelites. Everything would be absolutely amazing. There's nothing that would be bad. Nothing. And then we read in verses 9 through 14 as to why. The Lord wanted to be glorified through his people. He still today wants to be glorified through his people. We still have the power to choose whether we will live in obedience to him or in disobedience to him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, Where I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This was something that God had promised Israel if they repented at the moment. If you read this verse in context, he was telling them that, hey, listen, if you come back to me, if you repent, then this is what I have for you. This is what I desire for you. But what we have before, before us is a promise that God had made with, to Israel and with Israel before they even went into the promised land. If they would not turn aside to any other idols or false gods to worship and serve them and instead obey God's commands faithfully and come to know these, they would come to know these blessings. It was his, his promise for them. It was there for the taking, for the nation to experience all of this to its fullest. It was not only for the sake of the people. It wasn't just, oh, I, I want all these blessings. Of course we do, right? But it wasn't for us. It was like, oh yes, we'd be blessed as a nation. But it was all to reflect the power of God and what he is able to do in his people is for the sake of God's glory. One of the things that I've been told and taught over and over is one of the things that you don't touch is God's glory. Never touch God's glory. It's all his work. If there's anything good, Oh, praise God. <laughs> it's, it's God. It has nothing to do with the instrument that was used. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the master, the God, the one that used that instrument. Don't touch God's glory. We know that God was glorified when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon. And God was glorified through the nation how it was that God had blessed the nation. God desired to be glorified through his people and for the other nations to see how good God is. For the sake of time, I won't, we won't go to this, but please jot down Psalm 86, verses 11 through 13. Psalm 86, verses 11 through 13. But let's move on to the consequences of the curses for disobedience. And that's the remainder of the chapter. This also is to be read all the way through, and that's what we're going to do. Read all the way through. Because this is the but. But. This is the warning. If you refuse to obey the voice of the Lord your God, then curses will come upon you like no other nation has ever experienced. And this is what the Lord was making abundantly clear to the Israelites. I mean, just listen to this. It goes on and on and on. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, verse 15, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall 
you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish and the heavens over your, your head shall be bronze and the earth underneath under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, and your dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. And there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch, of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey shall be seized before your face, but shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, but there shall be no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground in all of your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils, of which you cannot be healed, from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a whore, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather in little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all of your trees and the fruit of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you and you shall not lend to him he shall be the head and you shall be the tail all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the lord your god to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you they shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because you did not serve the lord your god with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. 
and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds or the young of your flock until they have caused you to perish. They shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout all your land and they shall besiege you in all your towns throughout all your land which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons the da- and daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and in the distress with which your enemies shall distress you. The man who is the most tender and refined among you will begrudge food to his brother, to the wife he embraces, and to the last of the children whom he has left, so that he will not give to any of them any of the flesh of his children whom he is eating, because he has nothing else left in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in all your towns. The most tender and refined woman among you, who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because she is so delicate and tender, will begrudge to the husband she embraces, to her son and to her daughter. Her afterbirth that comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, because lacking everything, she will eat them secretly in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in your towns. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sickness, sickness is grievous and lasting. And he will bring upon you again all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Whereas you are as numerous as the stars of heaven, you shall be left few in number, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations you shall find no respite. And there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And at evening you shall say, if only it were morning. Because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the signs that your eye shall see. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promised that you should never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. Oh, the history of the nation of Israel. All of what we read. He's making clear the warning. Oh, the blessing. Oh, the blessing would be like no other. It could only be attributed to the blessing of the Lord, the hand of the Lord. But if you refuse to obey... The curses also that come upon you are like no other nation has ever experienced. 
And yet through it all, it would be designed to cause him to come to this place of knowing exactly who the Lord is and repenting of their sins. There are people who have experienced so many things of this nature and have survived as a nation. There was a day in the 20th century in which God fulfilled what he had told them. Even though they had been overtaken with curses due to their disobedience, it was on May 14, 1948, that they returned to their land. And they today are in existence like no other nation has ever done before. For so many years scattered all over the world, and yet they came back to that one place, to the promised land, the land that God had promised to the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. In disobedience, there will be nothing, there would be nothing that they would do that they would prosper in. Everything would be consumed. They would experience defeat after defeat. They wouldn't be able to stand against their enemies, their families, their children, their produce, their homes, their travels, everything that they set their hand to. They would experience sicknesses, amazing judgment. It will be even, be, even be shamed before their enemies. And then he'll, like I said, he, he fulfilled that, what he said in, you can read about it in Ezekiel, and also um, there's a time of famine in Second Kings chapter 6. Lamentations 4 speaks of a time that Jerusalem was besieged. And I was thinking about, just yesterday, I was, um, I was uh, reading about um, just earlier World War I, World War II, and how it was that um, the Jews, um, I mean, there was, there was one place uh, where in one place alone there were like 600,000 Jews that were killed. Um, it's just numerous Jews that had been slaughtered. Right, spread all over the place. Anti-Semitism still exists today like it has been for years and years and years. And yet the Lord is faithful. There still is people. There are many other things that happen even when, when Jesus warned. Um, judgment is coming and so the Christians, the, the followers of Jesus Christ, they, they, they heeded his word and, and they scattered. He, he caused, um, he caused uh, basically hard times to come and uh, judgment to come for them to realize that this is not a friendly place. And, and what he had commanded them to do to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, he forced them to do and he forced them out. But the Jews experienced uh, persecution um, like no other people. In fact, there was a moment in Roman history to where there were, there were so many people, so many Jews being martyred that there wasn't enough room. They were, um, they were pinning them up. They were um, crucifying them. And there was just not enough room. Also, did you know that the Jews, the Israelites, were at one point uh, experiencing famine and so much hardship that they, that they gave themselves uh, into the Egyptian slave market. And there was not, there weren't enough people to take them in as slaves. And so, just as we had read, it took place. You will give yourselves up as slaves, and yet there won't be enough people to bring you in. They'll, they'll reject you. There was a time 
when mothers were even experiencing famine so much so that they were eating their children. The world to this day has her eyes set on Israel. It is the epicenter of the world. The world still seeks to destroy it, but God's eye is more so on Israel, and there are still, they are still his people and always will be. He's never, he's never replaced them. And remember what the Lord said to Abraham. I will bless those who bless my people, and I will curse those who curse my people. And so I, like I've told you before, I pray, I pray that the United States always stands in that place of standing right, right there with Israel and blesses Israel. For in so doing, God, God's promises stand. I will bless those who bless my people. His promises are still good and he is glorified in his goodness. He has provided the manner in which the world is able to be reconciled unto himself. That is through his son, Jesus Christ, by grace through faith in him. We know God is faithful. He is trustworthy and he desires to bless his people. We are the Gentile believers. We are his adopted children grafted into and as his own. We have come to know his goodness and mercy and love and grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I pray that we would choose to bless him by and through our obedience to him and worship and serve him alone. Not to go to the left or to the right and serve any other gods, worship any other gods, but him and him alone. Not for our sake, but because he simply loved us first. And it's a demonstration of our love for him. There's that song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship His holy name. Never before, O my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Yes, I'll worship Your holy name. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to do that very thing. Lord, remind us. Oh, Lord, um, soften our hearts. Lord, remind us of the love that you first demonstrated to us. Lord, may we not be found to be hard-hearted. Lord, forgetful. Lord, uh, being a people who don't remember your faithfulness, your trustworthiness, your grace, your love, your mercy, your compassion for us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who truly stand firm on the truth. Do not waver. We do not doubt. We have our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. For we desire to bring you glory and honor, to praise you and worship you with our very lives. And so, may the words that come from our lips simply be a a confession and a reflection of what truly is in our hearts that comes from a life that is truly renewed in you, conformed to your image, and reflects your glory. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us by your grace.
we ask, Lord, that you would help us to bless you. In Jesus' name we pray.